authority to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of uh, not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God born of God and uh, verse 16 says and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace for the law was given through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared Him. <laughs> so as we were worshiping the Lord, it just kept getting uh, thicker and thicker on me. I mean, what an, He's Father God. That's what Jesus came to reveal Him as, Father God. And uh, in the New King James, that word Father in reference to God is used 200 let me see make sure 274 times in the Bible Old and New Testament 16 of those are in the Old Testament 258 in the New Testament and of the 258 in the New Testament 115 are in John's gospel the gospel of grace God's grace you know in John's gospel Jesus is revealed as the son of God Matthew, he's king. Mark, he's servant. Luke, he's man. And, and John, he's the son of God. And he said in verse 12, To as many as received them, he gave the authority to become sons of God or children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born of God. Verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a good word right there. Grace and truth. He didn't just send it. He didn't just send it. He brought it. <laughs> Come on. That's good. He brought grace and truth with him. And we were born into grace and truth. He said from grace to grace. So here's what I want us to do. You can be seated. I want us to do something. You guys keep playing for just a minute. Sorry, Mark. He already pulled his headset off. As we were, as we were worshiping, what the Lord really uh, ministered to my heart is that this is Father's Day, right? Thank you to all our fathers. Amen. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> Amen. Thankful for our fathers. And as I was thinking about what an awesome privilege we have to worship our Father on Father's Day. I didn't even realize what time it was that we had a little bit extended time of worship. But he's just, he's just worthy. He's worthy of it. And as we were worshiping, the one thing that he, he said, you know, uh, I am blessed. I've shared this many times before to not just have uh, someone... I want to be with this. Who donated life so that I could be here. But someone who was a father. And there's a big difference. Every man has the ability to procreate, but not every one of them is a father. And uh, you know, I'm thankful that my dad is one of my very best friends. That I love to be with him. And, 
And as I was just thinking about that, and what an honor it is for us today to spend time with our Father in worship and just to, to give Him love and to receive love. You know, that's the most amazing thing to me. I'm a worshiper, and uh, it's amazing that the more that I worship, the more of Him that I receive. The more I give to Him, the more of Him I receive. And that's just precious. And as we were worshiping, one of the things that He really spoke into my heart, and I don't know that I've ever done this before. How many of you have a cell phone? Just, it's okay to have it in church today. Just pick it up. I want to see it. I want, you to, I want to see your cell phone. Just show it to me. Here's what I want you to do. As they continue in worship for a minute, I want you to pray and say, Father, I've had the privilege of pouring my love out on you and you pouring your love out on me. Who do you want me to tell just how much you love them on this Father's Day? Are you with me? So I want you to pray. Take a few moments. And if you don't need to, if you know who it is right away. But I want you to, you can say something this simple. I was in, in church today and God was just showing me how much he loved me. And he wanted me to let you know how much he loves you. That doesn't have to be really super spiritual, right? It's, it's sometimes it's easy to walk around the room and tell somebody in the room. But the Lord said, no, I want to reach outside the walls. So I want you to take just a moment and say, Jesus, who is it that you want them to know? What did it say here? Is there a spiritual precedence for this? No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the Father, in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Verse 12 says, As many as received them, He gave the right to become, in the original language, sons of God. Are you hearing me? So He said, What I want you to do is declare Him to somebody. Declare Him to somebody. So take a moment, text someone and declare how much the Father loves them. I've spent some time over this past week uh, just really meditating on some of the passages that we shared last week in uh, Romans chapter 5, and uh, I just want to touch on those, and then I'm going to move up to Romans chapter 8, but in Romans 5, uh, verse 16, it says, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned is speaking of Adam. If you look up in uh, verse 14, it says, Not like the one who sinned, for the judgments which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses, meaning our offenses, not just the one, but all of ours, resulted in justification. For if one man's offense 
If by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. You know, we say a lot around here uh, that we want our ceiling to be the next generation's floor. You know, we've said that many times, and that really is our heart, that our ceiling, where we are reaching and, and just hitting. I don't want the generation behind us. And, and let me clarify this. I'm, I haven't stopped. <laughs> I haven't hit a ceiling, if, if, if you understand what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not done. But what I am saying is this, is those who start along beside me, I want them to start where I am just now reaching. Does that make sense? I... Uh, Brianna and I were down the road, and I didn't do this last week, so I welcome Mr. and Miss Tyler Vincent. Amen. My baby girl and my son-in-law. My baby boy. <laughs> He's about 10 inches taller than me. <laughs> hey, baby boy. <laughs> we were riding down the road the other day to to do some things, uh, her and I, and, and we were just talking about marriage and thing, and I look at their marriage already, just two weeks old, and I said, you know, it blesses me to see where you guys are starting. You know, after 25 years of marriage, Tina and I are in a place we've never been. I'm so thankful for the relationship that we have, and it's, it's just amazing. It, I mean, she is my very best friend, and I get to live with her and do life with her. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, I look at Brianna and Tyler's relationship and how they honor the Lord and honor one another. And uh, I said, you know, our heart's desire is that our ceiling be your floor. They're, you know, we got, that's God's desire. That's inheritance. Do you understand that? That's inheritance, that everyone doesn't have to start at the same place. That we can come into a revelation of who he is, and everyone doesn't have to start at the same place and work through all of the same mess to get where we are. All you have to do is remain teachable. And that's where I stay, in and of myself. I stay, I try my best to stay teachable. That I can learn not just from those who are older than me, sometimes I can learn from those who are younger than me. This morning as we were in worship, I, I don't know if you saw, but I saw as I was looking to young people around the front worshiping, the... Uh, the river kids that were in, they were up here worshiping, and our young men who were over here worshiping. And I was just, I was looking. That they, I mean, Faith was just here dancing before the Lord. Lily Grace was just here dancing until she would look at me, and I'd look at her and grin, and she would hide between her daddy's legs. That's why she kept sticking her head between your legs. She kept looking at me, waiting on me to look at her. When I look at her, she'd go, and get between your legs. But I was watching, and I thought, man, what I would have given to understand, to know, as Paul wrote in Ephesians, that you might, that I want you to know that which passes understanding. At that age, that I could have an intimate relationship with God. That it wasn't about a list of do's and don'ts. It wasn't about when you act right, God will do what you ask him to do. But if you don't act right, God won't, he won't do, he just won't do. So it's all based on how good you do. 
that our whole relationship is not based on Jesus' righteousness, but our good works. And, and I know you may not, it may not have been taught just quite that blunt, but that's exactly what was handed down. That yes, just as I am, without one plea, that come, just as I am. That was, that was the call, just as I am. We would sing it a hundred times if we had to. Just come. Sinners, come. All come. Just come, sinners. He, he just loves you just the way you are. And we come. And then once we come, now you got to do this. Now you got to do that. Now you got to clean this up. Now you got to quit doing that. Is there anything wrong with living right? Absolutely not. Should we live right? Absolutely. But our right living should be the fruit of our right believing, not, not living right trying to get what God has already promised and said is ours. To really understand the heart of the Father. It says that Jesus came revealing, declaring who the Father is. Through man's rebellion, and you know, we can, we can go back to uh, <clears throat> the mountain when they came out, and God said to Moses, tell the children of Israel to come near. And they said, no, they saw the thunderings and the lightnings, just the, the awesomeness of who he is. And they were like, whoa, we don't want anything to do with that. You just tell God to tell you what we need to do, and we'll do everything he says. You know what they wanted? They wanted relation. They didn't want relationship. They wanted regulations. They wanted just tell us what we're supposed to do. What did God want? From the very beginning, what did God want? He wanted relationship with man. That hasn't changed. You know, that's, that's why I, I really felt the Lord said, I want you to text somebody not in the building. Because it's easy to have relationship with those inside the building because this is the safe zone. Sometimes. Sometimes we're in here and it's not, we don't feel safe. But it, to reach out, Jesus was constantly going. You know what? He offered, he offered the gift to those inside, the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And when they rejected it, he said, okay, I'll go to those who, who want it. I, I was, uh, I don't know if I was reading something or listening to someone this week uh, and I shared this with somebody, and I don't remember who, but uh, where Jesus said in, in Acts, it says you'll go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world. If you look at Jesus' life, that's exactly what he did. He started in Jerusalem. Then he went to Judea, just outside of Jerusalem, surrounding Jerusalem. And then he went to Samaria. You remember the woman at the well? He told his disciples what? I must, in New King James, I must need go through Samaria. I have to go through Samaria. Now, they typically would go way... Samaria was on the way up to Galilee where he was going. They would typically, because they didn't like the Samaritans, because they were uh, an interracial group. They were Jew and Gentile mixed. And yes, we have prejudice now. We have racism now. But... Uh, not quite like what they uh, encountered. The Samaritans and the Jews uh, have encountered a lot of prejudice against them. But in this instance, it was the Jews inflicting the prejudice against the Samaritans. They had even, in that day, they would say that the Samaritans were dogs. They didn't even have a soul. 
they wouldn't even share with them. And um, so I don't know why I got off on that. But Jesus said, guys, we're not going around. We're, we've got to go through Samaria because there's something I've got to do there. He told them, see, what I'm telling you is this. Jesus doesn't tell us anything to do that he hasn't already made away. He won't ask you to do anything that he hasn't already done and made a way for you. He didn't just do it. He didn't do it in your stead. He did it to make a way for you. (laughs) He, you know, wow. It says Jesus denied himself. I've said this before. I believe if we ever get over ourselves, we can really do something for him. (laughs) If we ever get to the place where what others may think of us doesn't affect us, affect us as much as who the Father has declared we are. I mean, I, I, I had to do a checkup from the neck up this week. I felt like the Lord was telling me to do something. I was like, well, what will they, what? And he said, your point? <laughs> what, will they say? what will they think? He said, that's not your responsibility. Right? I said last week that I I believe that our identity is, our authority is tied to our identity. As we understand just how much he loves us and that he has called us sons, children of God, heirs and joint heirs with the Lord, that we'll no longer go out in the energy of our personality, the energy of our ability to communicate well. We'll go out understanding that the Father sent us and He loves us. Amen. Matthew seven eleven says this in the New Living Translation. So if sinful people know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? So what's the Father's heart to do? Is to give. How do we know that? John. John's Gospel. I said that the Father is revealed more in that gospel than any other. 115 times he refers to him as Father. And And in that, he said, For God so loved that he gave, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. The everlasting life is not just I get to go to heaven and live forever. That's God's life here on the earth. Life as he has it, life as he knows it, it's for us right here on the earth. And, you know, the very name Father itself, it personifies protection, provision, and position. Protection, provision, and position. Man, think about that. And I really believe he wants us to understand that because I understand in this life there are many people who didn't have a father who's that was, who that was really what personified who that father was, who their father was. It may, have been, may not have been a father that abused them. It may have been a father that was just so driven by what they were doing that they didn't have time for anybody else. It was, you know, that all they, all they had to, all that their attention was on is I got to provide for my family. And the whole time the family is saying, I just want you to be there for us. I'm not, I'm not tearing anyone down. I'm just saying this is, there may have been a father who, who loved them but didn't know how to express it because their father didn't express it to them. 
If you've been around us at all, we is some hugging, kissing people. (laughs) The Martins. That's just, that's how we, we were brought up, you know. We weren't dirt poor, but we didn't have a lot of money coming up. And, but we had a whole lot of love. And God has blessed and brought us through a lot. But, you know, we had love. Mom and Dad, they, they, they would always love on me. Even when I wasn't real lovely. Uh, I'll never forget uh, when I nearly drank myself to death at 13 years old. And uh, was unconscious for most of it. Drank almost a half gallon of vodka. Probably weighed, what, 100 pounds, soaking wet, with nickels in my pockets. Rolls of nickels in my pockets. And uh, what I remember, the first memory from from when I blacked out standing outside the back door, the patio door, is I woke up and my dad was bathing me because I had thrown up all over myself. And he was crying. And he said, I thought I lost you. He wasn't telling me how stupid I was. Was I stupid? Absolutely. Half gallon of vodka, 100 pounds. He didn't. Now, later we talked about it. But at that point, his confession over me wasn't my ignorance, my stupidity. It wasn't, where did you get it? I'm going to go hurt somebody. All that came later. But at that point, what he said, with tears running down his face, is, I thought I lost you. Man. I'm blessed. You know what? Our Father loves us so much more. So much more. When we fall, when we stumble and we fall, he's not standing over us going, how stupid can you be that you did that again? How stupid can you be that you just keep doing the same thing? I believe he stands over us and he goes, man, I love you so much. You're better than that. I want you to see all that you are like I see all that you are. And as we do, as we see what he sees in us, we see that it was, a, it was worth paying the highest price for. I'm going to tell you, all the condemnation in the world and all the, the right things that people can say about how bad you messed up won't change your heart like really encountering love will. From that day, from 13 on, I, I did some stupid things. <laughs> that wasn't the end of them. Probably really just the beginning of some of the dumb things I did. But one thing going forth from that, I, I never forgot whatever I was doing. As bad as it was sometimes, I never forgot my dad. And it kept me from a lot of worse things. 
Not because I was scared he was going to beat me when I got home. Because there were times I'd come home pretty stupid and, and mom would see me. Not quite as compassionate as dad at times. <laughs> she would look at me. She'd say, you're high, Frank, get your son. <laughs> I love you, mama. He's high. Get your son. Boy, what are you doing? Nothing, Dad. <laughs> I'm thankful for parents that love. And I, man, that wasn't all what I wanted to share today, but I just really <laughs> so thankful for his love. His great love that he has. I, I'm just touching the fringes of understanding what that really means to me. Of his love for us. And, you know, I'll say this. Just some of my whole message in my testimony, talking about love and texting people. In Deuteronomy 32, as I was studying this and I was looking at Father, I, I believe in, in looking up first mention. You know, you look and see where something is for the first time, and the first time that Father is used uh, in reference to God, well, in my Bible anyway, <laughs> in my study, is in Deuteronomy 32, 6, and it says this, Do you thus deal with the Lord, O, o foolish and unwise people? Is he not your Father? And it says three things, Who bought you, has he not made you, and established you? 32, 6 in the ESV says this, Do you... Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father who created you, who made you, and established you? As I was looking at that, I, I just began to dig in a little deeper on these three things that it says. Now, understand, this is in Deuteronomy. They're under the law. Uh, Moses writing here to the, to the children of Israel, and he's saying, is this how you... Repay the Lord for all he's done, how he's brought you out and all that he's done for you. You do this through rebellion and through uh, turning away from him. But that's not what I want to look at. What I want to look at is what he says. Don't you understand that he is your father and he did these three things. He bought you. He made you. He established you. That first word bought there, kalna uh, in the Hebrew, it means to create, to procure, especially by purchase. So that very word itself both means to create and to purchase. That sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? About the Father and what he did for us. He's our creator, and what did he do through Jesus? He purchased us. And uh, the next word there is, uh, wow, it's a Hebrew word. A-S-A-H, but it's pronounced Asal or something like that. Sounds good to me. And it means this, to appoint or bestow. To appoint or bestow. So the first word means to create or to purchase, to redeem. The second one means to appoint or bestow. And the third one means this, to, the word establish, it means this, to set up, 
or to render sure, to prop up, to erect, to render sure, to prosper, to, to proper or prosperous. So, he said, it is your father who did this. He created you. He bought you. He appointed you. And he, he set you up. In a, not like set you up. Like they set him up to fall. No, that he propped you up. That he set you up erect. He set you up straight to prosper you. Man, that sounds just like Jesus and what he accomplished in us. I said I wanted to go to Romans. So look at Romans chapter 8. Let me see if I have it. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. I love, love, love Romans chapter 8. There's really, really good stuff in here. Uh, Let's just read it from one. What do you think? Okay, Mel said okay, so we're going to do it. There is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit in life, of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled, where? In us. It didn't say for us. It said in us. Was it revealed, was it, uh, was the righteous requirement of the law fulfilled for us? Absolutely. Through who? Jesus Christ. But here he said, I'll take it to another level. It's not just for you, it's in you. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in you. Why would the righteous requirement of the law be fulfilled in us? For us? No. Jesus did it for us. Why is it in us? Think about this. Listen. Here's what I want us to hear. If Jesus did it for us, why would it be revealed in us? Because there are those outside who need to see and hear and receive. That the righteous requirement of the law was fulfilled through, in us, through him, in us, so that we can go out and be what? That we can be repairers of the breach. That we can go out and we can be those who bring reconciliation, as Romans says, and, uh, that we that we're bring reconciliation to those who are apart. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Man, let's just say la that a minute. Let's just meditate on that for just a moment. He said to be carnally minded. So does does carnally mindedness, does that mean that I'm always thinking about sin? No. Carnally minded means this, that I'm constantly looking at things just from a fleshly perspective. That I'm looking at things from a fleshly perspective. It doesn't mean that I'm cussing anybody out. It doesn't mean that I'm having adultery. It doesn't mean that I'm doing drugs. It means that I'm looking, my perspective is set from the natural to the spiritual instead of from the spiritual to the natural. And he said to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What do most people... In our world today, what are they looking for? 
and life. They want to live. They look around and they see death and destruction. And they want life and peace. Life, and this word life is life like he has it. They want, he said, so we have a decision. We can set our minds on the things of the world. You know, it doesn't, um, it doesn't amaze me at all to see the, the uh, demeanor of some people. Because I listen to what they listen to, and I would look like them too if I listened to what they listen to all the time. If you are focused always on carnality, and I, and I don't know why the Lord keeps having me do this. We can listen to things that tell us how bad our government is, and you know what? That is not going to fix the government. Even if 99% of what they say is right, which would be a miracle. It's not. If, if we set our minds on that all the time, then our hope begins to, to get set on what? What's going on in the White House? What's going on in government? Whether it be from White House or just local government. It's whoever we elect in local government. Man, they're not doing it. It could be, I can break it down from that. It can be the teacher. Well, if that teacher just acted right, da, da, da. It can go further and further down that if we're constantly setting our minds on carnality, on the things of the flesh, and not on the spirit, you're not going to have peace. And you're not going to enjoy life. Does that mean we stick our head in the sound and act like nothing's happening? Absolutely not. What we do is what uh, Proverbs says is that by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Hello? By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. You think it's important what we say and how we pray? Absolutely. To, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. And that word enmity in this bold down literally means hatred towards God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So what did he do right away? He didn't say, you're in the flesh if you live right. Is that what he said? No, he said, you're, I mean, not in the flesh. He didn't say, you're in the Spirit if you live right. That's not what he said. He said, you're in the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So what is he bringing to clarification? It's not in, he said, don't be fleshly, don't be carnal, don't act. Like a fool. That's what he said. That's Todd's annotated version. Don't act like an idiot. He said that. But he said that is not what gives you right standing. He said, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. Enough said. And if Christ Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your what? 
mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So how are we supposed to live? Not from natural to spiritual, from spiritual to natural. Understanding who he says we are, walking from that, is he said, that's where I'm going to get life from the spirit into your mortal body. Man, that's good. So even in, if there's something, if the doctor says, here's what's wrong with you, you can set your mind on the carnal and you can go to Google and Wikipedia and you can go to WebMD and you can look up everything that they say is wrong with you, that they gave you this title or this thing, and you can set your mind on carnality and what's going to happen? Death. That's what the Bible says. That's not what I said. That, isn't that what, did we just read that? To be carnally minded is what? To be spiritual-minded is what? Life and peace. So he said, you've got a choice. We, people, we have a choice. We're not pawns. We're not puppets on a string. We have a choice. We have to make a decision where we set our hearts and our minds. Thank you for that thundering response. We have a choice, and, and and we're the only ones who can make it. But he said this, that, that he who raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So to be spiritually minded is not just meaning that that we act like the holy people in the room. To be spiritually minded means I'm really seeking His kingdom first. I'm really saying, Father, what are you saying right now about this circumstance? Father, what are you saying about this situation? And then I begin to say the same thing He says. That's what the word confession really means. We've attached confession to sin, but really confession means to say the same thing. Quiet up in here today. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we're not, not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. Not because God will kill you, but because you do stupid things. But if the Spirit, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I mean, it's, <laughs> isn't it cool how God wrote his love letter to us? I put before you death and life. Choose life. Here in the New Testament, you know, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. If you live according to the Spirit, you'll live. Choose the Spirit. Are you with me? (laughs) For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again, of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba. Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. His Spirit bears witness. So, as we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, and our heart and our attention is on the Spirit, every day as we set our heart and our mind on the things of the Spirit and who he is, every day he's confirming to us who we are. And in that, we won't have those identity crises when opportunity presents itself. Do you see what I'm saying? The more that we focus on who He is and who we are in the Spirit, in Him, when opportunities present themselves, when challenges come, we won't have to come back and go, man, who am I to stand here? We'll say, I'm a son of God. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Ben. 
I'll declare I'm a son of God. So this opportunity in front of me, this challenge, this thing, it, didn't, I'm, it wasn't sent for me to fail. It was sent for me to succeed. Because I know who I am. I'm his son. He can't fail. <laughs> and that's life. That's life that's released into us. He said, but here's where I was going to get. Wow. Time flies when I'm having fun. <laughs> he said, for you did not, verse 15, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. This word adoption here, it literally means to place as a son. It doesn't mean like I was one that no one wanted, so he took me in. What it means is he placed me in a position of authority as a son. Why? How did he do that? When we received, we didn't receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption, of placement, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. In Deuteronomy, the first time Father's mentioned in reference to the Lord, in all cap, in capital letters, referring to the Lord. He says that he's going to do what? That he created us, that, uh, that he bought us. Wow, I just went blank. That he uh, appointed us and that he established us. See, here in Romans chapter 8, he said, As many as received him, he gave the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You know, I'll close with this. As we were singing and we were in a new song, I heard uh, Melita uh, singing as she was talking about the the king is here and he's singing over us. The king is here and he's dancing over us. Did y'all hear that? The king is here and he's dancing with us. He's laughing over us. And immediately the Lord gave me this picture of the king a natural king. And I, I could see that king in all of his glory. Even he had, even had a pretty ground, gold crown on his head. And he's addressing the people. And then he went back behind the throne. And his kids were back there. And he set his crown down. And he got down in the floor and he played with his kids. Did, it, did he lose his authority as king when he got in the floor with his kids? No. See, he was there and he was laughing with his kids and he was dancing with his kids. You know, <laughs> Brianna and I did a father-daughter dance. And when she was a little girl, that song Butterfly Kisses came out. And see, this marriage was a process for me. I had to get through a lot of emotions because that's my one and only baby girl. So I spent a lot of time behind the scenes crying that nobody saw me. Not because I was sad, but just the reality. This is my baby girl growing up. So we would listen to Butterfly Kisses. I don't How many times we listened to that song, Tina? Too many. We listened to that song over and over because I could listen to it three or four times, and every time I'd hear it, I'd be, okay, I got it this time. I'd just cry. She'll change her name today. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> in the first little pony ride. That really happened. I mean, that guy wrote that about, we were at the state fair, and she wanted to ride the ponies, but she wouldn't ride the pony if I didn't walk beside the horse, the pony. So every time I'd hear that song, I would just cry. 
I would just cry. And so they said, what are you going to dance to for Father Dollar? Well, butterfly kisses. So Brianna and I, we started talking. We wanted to do this dance, this choreographed thing. Some of you may have seen it. <laughs> but I told her, I said, I don't have a problem acting foolish with you, but I want to know what we're doing because I don't want to be a fool. <laughs> I don't want to look like a fool because I don't know what I'm doing. But if I learn what we're doing, I don't care what anybody else says because I'm dancing with my daughter. See, I wasn't dancing for anybody in that room. I was dancing with her. And that was all that mattered. And I think the king is here. And he says, I want to dance with you. I want to love on you. I want to laugh with you. But we are so accustomed to the king sitting on his throne, decreeing that we can't see the king behind the throne playing. And he's one in the same. Now, he, he doesn't play with those who, who aren't his kids. He plays with his kids. But you know what the good news is? I'm his kid. You're his kid. He loves you so very much. He's saying, I want you to understand just what that love looks like. For some, they don't, they don't have a grid for that. They don't have a grid for a dad who will get on the floor and play with them. And for them, he says, come crawl up in my lap. I want, I want to love you. And I believe he does this. He, I believe sometimes he just goes, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do today? Okay, let's go do that. And we go, oh, no, not God. Father, Papa, Daddy, God, that's what he says. I put desires on the inside of you, and I want to see those things lived out to their fullest. What do you want to do today? I mean, I could tell you story after story where we did things like that with Brianna. What do you want to do today? And remember when she wanted to fish? Didn't want to touch the fish, but she wanted to catch them. Does she touch the fish now, Tyler? She still don't like to touch the fish. Does she? She'll touch them now. Now Tyler gets to take her fishing. <laughs> I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> she changed her name the other day. <laughs> I literally went with her to change it. We went to Social Security, and she changed her name. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, what better thing on Father's Day than to just tear down all your misconceptions of who he really is and say, Daddy, I receive your love today. And you know what I saw after that, and then I promise I'm closing, is I saw David dancing. And I saw it differently this time. I didn't see him dancing before the Lord. I saw him dancing with the Lord. So he was dancing with a partner that no one could see. And that's why he danced the way that he danced. That's why I danced the way I did with my daughter. Because I wasn't seeing anyone in the room but her. Think about that. That's the way Dad looks at you. When he sees you, he doesn't see anybody in the room but you. 
And he says, that's how important you are to me. Father God, I ask today that you would enlarge our capacity to receive love. Whatever it is, you know, for some it's a thimble. For others, it may be a 10-acre pond. Lord, enlarge our capacity to receive love from you. And I know, Lord, the way that happens, it's almost asking you to do something you've already done. But, Lord, the way that happens is we set our gaze on you. And we begin just to see how much you love us. Even as Deuteronomy 32 says, you created us. You made us and you established us. You haven't given us a spirit of fear. But of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that.